0: and every time it came up was like
1: i see dead people
0: and you're like fuck you kid you don't who cares (laughs) you're right welcome to ruckitopia
1: a happy home for recommended movies shows and music from two people you can definitely trust trustability varies by region no guarantees implied Now, here are your hosts, Chris
2: Atkinson and
1: Jeremy Scott. What do I owe you for the membership? You know what?
0: Forget about it. Pay me when your ship comes in. You know what? That may be presently. Glad to hear it. Get a tip on a horse? The widgets. Widgets. You're developing a new... Put it in the bank. And do the American Mm -hmm. thing. What's that? Marry a rich widow. Hello. Hey. Hello, everybody. We're, uh, hello everybody this is Recotopia, episode 25 i'm chris atkinson i'm jerry scott sorry i was reading the comments <laughs> you fuck <laughs> um uh today's big recommends going to be the spanish prisoner uh and mm-hmm. hello everybody out there in the chat uh coming out to watch us on tuesday and by the way there's an outside chance people who are working on my home right now may knock on the door and there'll be a delay so (laughs) that'll be fun for everybody that'll be fun for everybody yes yes indeed uh i'm hoping not but you know how those things go um anyway thank you chat for coming out and uh, i see Mm -hmm. see the usual uh usual suspects out there i'm actually seeing some people who say they don't like this movie very much uh right A off couple the bat people, yeah which is which is yeah. fine that's fine you can of dislike this movie you can dislike of it of course hey I'm going to even add, I'm going to even rattle off some sins on this movie uh, when we start There's talking. one or two that I saw. So anyway, um, uh, so uh, we, we want to get into our small recommends. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's
1: tiny. It's petite. It's wee. I do. I mm-hmm. do. I uh, will start off with a very, very specific caveated small record okay um because this movie is 27 on rotten tomatoes oh and I, but i think if you if you have the right mindset you could enjoy it it's ben
0: affleck and john woo's the paycheck or paycheck hey i've heard i've heard people kind of liking this movie uh in recent years i only saw it once mm-hmm. um a few years
1: after it came out. I think it came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on two or three days ago, uh, right at the beginning. Some, sometimes this will happen. I'll just turn the TV on, and it'll be playing, so starting something I've never seen, and I just don't change any channels. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Philip K. Dick stories. Mm-hmm. I love a good, high-concept sci-fi movie. Um, and this is set in a near-future where Ben Affleck is a repeater, basically. He is hired by companies to tear down their competitors' widgets and build a better one for the company that's hired him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, you know, basically opening act, he gets hired by this company. Uh, it's actually a former college uh, buddy of his, Aaron Eckhart, um, And it turns out <clears throat> that what they have invented is a way to see into the future, um, not travel into the future, um, but to peer at the future from the present. Uh, there's a lot of Einstein gobbledygook in here to explain this, but if you go with that premise, it's pretty neat because after every job Ben Affleck does, he gets his memory wiped so that he can't share trade secrets with, secrets with anybody. And so, after a three-year project with this company that he doesn't know in the beginning of the movie but finds out later can peer into the future, he wakes up with no memory of the last three years, and they give him an envelope with his stuff. Um, and he was paid $92 million. But when he goes to the bank, it's gone. Mm. Oh, no. Mm. And then shady people start chasing
2: him. Mm. Oh, no. Mm.
1: And there's a an Uma Thurman. And <laughs> um, there's a, a Paul Giamatti, who's his buddy. And <clears throat> essentially... The envelope, he doesn't recognize any of the items in the envelope, but slowly, bit by bit, he starts to realize he put those in there himself after viewing his own future with the machine. And so everything is in there for a reason. There's like a subway token and a a lighter and a can of spray paint and a a crossword puzzle. um, And he doesn't know until he's in the moment. And then there's this, aha, oh, I've got this in my envelope. I can use it to survive this moment. And it's just a really fun journey for me. I don't think anybody's particularly outstanding as an actor. Um, It's just a really cool concept to watch play out. And like most movies like this, there's an overwrought, over-action-y climax. Um, But it's just just really cool. I don't want to spoil it if you end up watching it, but just know it's not well-reviewed. But uh, one thing I did want to point out and this is the way my brain works sometimes, there are four people in this movie who have co-starred in Batman movies Mm. and a fifth girl who was on Gotham. Mm. At the same time, there are two separate actors in this movie who were both in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And I just think
0: that's a little weird. It's it's becoming increasingly hard to find any movie, by the way, where you (laughs) don't have a cast that has a lot of comic books movie experience oh yeah um but the the fact that you know you can find them all in one universe that's always a cool thing like a a particular narrow universe that's always a cool one um but i haven't seen paycheck (coughs) since it came out um probably on a thursday night uh watching the print and that was it that's the last time i saw it um so may have to give it a another look at some point Uh, Because I have heard uh, people bring this movie up recently um, just as a like, hey, I found this. You know, this is something that if you don't if you don't have any hype surrounding it and watch it 20 years after it came out, it's good. Um, So, um, yeah, um, I I I watched a movie someone recommended to me on Netflix, uh, uh, The Alpinist. Um, Ooh. which is if you've seen Free Solo, you kind of know what you're getting into with the Alpinist. Um, it is about a climber. I think his name is Mark Andre Leclaire. Uh, who sort of came out of nowhere. Like he he didn't sort of announce himself as this climber who was going to do crazy things, and. Early on in his climbing career, he climbs this mountain that Alex Honnold, who you know from uh, Free Solo, um, he climbed this mountain that uh, Alex Honnold had uh, set a time record of fifty nine minutes. He he did it in fifty seven and didn't even really wasn't even really going for the record. He was just he just decided to climb this thing one day and he looked at his watch and he's like, huh, well, weird. Two or three minutes faster than the fastest time ever. Hmm, weird. <laughs> and um. And so, of course, Alex Honnold comes out because he's very competitive and he went and decided to climb the same mountain again and, and just destroy that record. But uh, you find out quickly that Marc-Andre doesn't really care about records and things like that. He just cares about climbing the mountain. That's all he wants to do. The thing that makes him uh, extreme, extremely, you know, you can't really be extremely unique, right? You can only be unique. <laughs> but um, – what makes him unique is that he uh solos uh these alpine mountains stuff that have uh ice and snow in addition to the rock and i'm not talking free soloing it he does have tools but um it's a combination of those things and obviously a tremendous challenge to solo those kind of mountains uh you know and there are some mountains that come up in this that are Considered impossible that he climbs. And so, Mm. uh, there it's really sort of getting into the mindset of this guy. This guy obviously is a little bit different from you and me. Um, uh, because, you know, he, he doesn't think of things in, in certain terms like we would. Like, uh, you know, like I, you you keep, I keep thinking of, uh, bill pullman and zero effect where uh kim dickens tells him that she likes to skydive and he goes aren't you afraid that you might die or something <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think about that type of stuff and uh and so it's an interesting uh facet into his character know that uh you know you i don't want to spoil anything on this for for anybody to watch this i mean uh just just watch it it's got some breathtaking breathtaking cinematography it looks like it it may have been shot on imax or something like that although to be i you know i'm just watching it on my screen i can't really tell for one way or the other but it looks like an imax type of thing and um and uh you know you're gonna see some death defying stuff the interesting thing in this one is he there's a this guy is so prone to just doing things on his own that even when he gets like agents and he starts getting like possible like money for what he's doing and everything he still doesn't go by the rules and everything so there's a point where he's like going through all this promotional stuff and then he just disappears and they're like where the fuck is he oh he's climbing some mountain that he just didn't tell anybody about and and he he does this one mountain uh that nobody had ever soloed before and and these uh agent guys are like the fuck, man! You could have just told us about this, and this would have been a huge break. And he said, "I don't want. I. It doesn't feel like a solo to me if you have cameras out there shooting me, uh. even if I'm not getting helped. I don't want that. I want to have that experience on my own." And uh, he says, "I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it again for you. I'll do it again so you can see the, you can get footage of it. But I'm not the first. The first time I just wanted it so." The big thing that's leading wow. up to is a, is a, is another mountain that has never been done solo before. And he would take video himself just and have no crew out there at all. Sort of like a video diary type of thing. So oh. that's what it's leading up to. Anyway, the Alpinist, you can see it on Netflix. It's good.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very intriguing. What an interesting
0: guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I would ever climb a mountain. No, um, I would not even consider it uh, at all. Not not one bit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, all right. Uh, my
1: second small small recommend uh, this week is uh, a new EP from Billie Eilish that came out last week called ah. uh, Guitar Songs. Oh, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> whether or not you're a Billie mm. Eilish fan, I would recommend checking these out because it's just a single acoustic guitar. Um and her voice. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> it's not like a lot of her other music. Her, her voice is the same. She's done some slower songs before, but there's no beat. There's no electronics. There's no uh, vocal, you know, digital fluctuations. It's just her singing these, the, both of these songs, one's called TV and one's called the 30th, and they're both heart-wrenching.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: both just, Devastating, mm-hmm. um, both in the melody as well as the lyrics, and the 30th builds an in intensity. And um, it's sh- that she's singing this song to somebody she loves that she almost lost in an accident. Um, just, I think there are some people once or twice in a generation who are just, you know, they say that people are old souls. Mm-hmm. She's She's just way wiser lyrically and emotionally in her songs than she has any business being at what, 20 years old? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. And I just can't wait to see where she goes with her career. I've read, you know, some of the stuff she's mentioned about, you know, having a hard time being in the spotlight and with her own body. And, um, I just hope that the industry doesn't jade her or, I don't know, give her emotional distress somehow through the fame because there's just there's so much talent. I just want to hear more and more songs like these. You can find them both on YouTube for free if you don't want to pay mm-hmm. to whatever, download or whatever. Uh, but if you have not been a huge fan of Billy's music in the past, I would at least check out one of these because it's not stylistically like most of her music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there you go. It's called Guitar Songs, two songs. Uh, a tiny,
0: tiny EP. Yeah, you shared these songs with me, and I enjoyed them as well. Um, I haven't gone back to listen to them multiple times yet, but uh, they are really good songs. So, okay. um, <clears throat> uh, I watched a movie recently that I had not watched in for a really long time, but I have watched a surprising amount of times over, over <laughs> my uh, uh, life. Uh, when I saw the standee for this, back in 1995 when i was working at my old movie theater i was like what the fuck is this i was really like oh come on you're you're making a movie you're coming out with a movie with that standee (laughs) anyway the movie is clueless um uh uh back in 1995 i don't think you know i'm an i even though i was 18 i am i'm a i'm alicia silverstone's age um i'm you know Uh, wasn't the audience for this movie but certainly when i watched it i was like man i this is sort of universal even though this is directed towards young women and everything i really 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 liked clueless back in the day and um and i think this movie is 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 a time capsule if you want to really want to talk about a movie that is 1995 as fuck clueless is that movie but um But uh, I am – you you go back and you're surprised at how funny Alicia Silverstone is in this movie. Like, she was known for being in Aerosmith videos at this point. Yeah. That was what she was known for. She was eye candy in Aerosmith videos. And then she does this, and she carries it so well, like – it's a kind of amazing she didn't like really blow up after this. Like she became a producer and the, and she did Excess Baggage and all that. That was that was a misfire and then she was in Batman and Robin and you know that's that doesn't help out either. And then before you know it she's playing a side character in Scooby Doo and that's just how things you know go uh with these type of things. But uh I just find this movie hilarious uh and it's it, and maybe it's not maybe it's not in uh, these days i don't know if you if, if any of you you know born past 1995 watch this do you find it funny i don't know but really enjoyed going back to watch it but like it's it and it's just about it's it's basically jane austen's emma um and uh and Alicia Silverstone is is trying to play a matchmaker while not really, uh, not really, uh, finding any of the high school boys, uh, worth going out with, and and everything. Then and she she takes this girl, Ty, played by Brittany Murphy, under her wing, and uh, tries to tries to get her the ultimate boyfriend and feel good about herself, basically, for uh, being able to take this, this, you know, this, uh, this, uh, I don't know, this off the scrap heap Brittany murphy girl and and and, and dollar up and make her popular and everything and as she goes through this she starts realizing that she needs to do more for her life and do more for other people and and not worry about herself so much it's got uh, you know it's got a good message and it's funny and it's got paul rudd in it and it's got you know <laughs> Uh, uh, you know Donald Faison, Faison in it, and uh, you know it's uh, you know, and Stacey Dash before she was problematic, and uh, you know those type of things. It's 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 a fun movie. So anyway, Clueless. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Clueless. Clueless. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What year did that come out? 1995. I I built
0: yeah, I built that
1: movie. All right, everybody, it's time for the big recommend. Yeah, the big
3: recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so. Big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I
2: noticed.
1: This week's big recommend um, is The Spanish Prisoner, uh, starring Campbell Scott and Steve Martin, Ricky Jay and Rebecca Pidgeon, uh, along with a few other people. Ed O'Neill pops up for a minute. Um, <clears throat> and uh, this is David Mamet at his Mametiest. Mm-hmm. And my suspicion is... On the couple of people in the chat who weren't super big on this film, is that they might not be big Mammoth fans in general. Um, because State and Maine is really the outlier for Mammoth. Mm. I mean, it's talky, but Mammoth likes heisty, twisty, uh powerful, working over the powerless kind of stories. Um, <clears throat> like Glengarry, Glenn Ross, and heist uh later. Mm. Um <clears throat> So out of the gate, I want to tell you, I don't think this movie is taking place in 100% reality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, we, They don't mention what the process is that Campbell Scott has invented. They don't mention what the company does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's suspicious that they don't. Like, yeah. like they go way, way out of their way to not give you any clue what this is. Mm-hmm. And then most everybody is speaking in a stylized dialogue kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another thing that I think might throw some people off, is the way people talk. Because um, basically we open with Campbell Scott and Ricky Jay, their co-workers, they're at St. Esteph, that's some sort of uh, tiny island resort place that super rich people go to. Uh, there's a seaplane that arrives uh, with a mysterious rich man who gets off. <clears throat> and Campbell Scott happens to be taking a picture of another co-worker, Rebecca Pigeon. And she walks away and Steve Martin comes up. And the first line he says is, I'll give you $1,000 for that camera. And I think a normal person in a normal movie would go, what? Mm
2: -hmm. What are you
1: talking about? But Mm -hmm. Campbell Scott almost immediately goes, are you asking me for a favor?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like there's almost a a history with them right off the bat, even though there's no history with them. And it's just part of the way people talk. I think he's enamored mammoth with these old detective stories and some film noir stuff and uh anyway so well, what follows and it's is, also just,
0: just as an aside what what it also could be is an overreaction to someone who's far richer um yes giving like throwing that money in his face because a lot of this movie has to do with who's got the money and who doesn't and and things like that anyway go on
1: yes no no um <clears throat> So they bump into each other again later at the bar and Steve Martin apologizes, Uh, you know, it was rude of me. And then he says three distinct times in that conversation, that was such a gesture, you giving me that camera. Mm -hmm. What What a nice gesture. He just keeps going back to that, hammering that. And if you've seen this movie before and you're watching it from the beginning, it's fascinating to watch him work Campbell Scott. If it's your first time through, you're kind of being worked too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but everybody's acting a little weird. Rebecca Pigeon is this coworker who can't believe she was even sent down with the firm because she's so new and she talks too much and she's over-complimentary mm-hmm. and she's awkward and you can't tell if she's flirting or just weird. Yeah. Um, they fly back home. Steve Martin gives Campbell Scott a book to give his sister. And his sister lives in New York where Campbell Scott lives. And on the plane, Rebecca Pidgeon's character is like, you never know who anybody is. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really ever trust anybody. Like that guy who got off the seaplane. He didn't get off the seaplane. Everybody thinks he did. But I'll tell you, when I develop these pictures, you'll see. He didn't get off that seaplane. Um <clears throat> You know, know, stranger might give you something to carry across borders illegally for them or what have you. And Campbell Scott kind of panics and goes into the bathroom, tears open the package, and it actually is just a Mm book. And I just love the way they keep planting seeds early on that Steve Martin might not be a good guy. And then they come around and reverse it with an apology and a butter-up so that Campbell Scott is now somehow more primed to trust him Because he's already had a couple of moments of distrust that were then proven to be uh, irrelevant. And then there's just a series of events. And uh, they're supposed to have dinner. Uh, He drops off the book at the sister's apartment complex. But then Steve Martin doesn't show for dinner. And then walking down the street, Campbell Scott sees his car, as you do in New York City. Mm -hmm. Yes, Um, all the time. And then walks into this fancy car dealership that you're not supposed to be in if you don't have money. And Steve Martin kind of ignores him. Mm Mm-hmm. So he leaves and he gets halfway down the sidewalk and he's like, motherfucker. And he turns around and he goes back. And they basically have a confrontation where Steve Martin said, well, you said you were going to give the book to my sister and you just dropped it off. That's not our arrangement. And they basically have this argument where both of them are mad at each other. And again, another distrust that's resolved and soothed. And we've somehow built more trust by the end of it to where they're joking about it. Steve Martin said, boy, you really flew off the handle. And Campbell Scott's like, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And Steve Martin playfully sets up a Swiss bank account for him, showing off, mm-hmm. like a rich guy might do trying yeah. to make friends. Mm-hmm. Takes him to a club to eat dinner, but that's a members-only night, so he gets him a membership form and signs him up for the club, and they have a meal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I love that we don't see the meal. I love that we don't see anything they talked about at that meal. Mm-hmm. It just skips to the end of it when they're getting ready to go home. Yeah. And basically... Everything's going fine for everybody until Campbell Scott decides to do a nice gesture for Steve Martin's sister, who he has yet to meet and who has been sick. So he goes and finds a tennis picture with an autograph because she's a tennis buff, gets it framed and takes it to the apartment complex to give to her only to find out that the woman with the sister's name is a really old lady. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody with the sister's name younger that lives there. And then he starts picking apart at the the pieces of the story he goes to rebecca pigeon's house she's got the photograph she mentioned proving steve martin never got off the seaplane so now he doesn't trust this guy well who did he randomly bump into down in seen a steph an fbi lady like, oh, what's that
0: actress's name it's felicity huffman
1: yes felicity huffman thank you um <clears throat> and he has her card her business card because everybody on this island was trading business cards so he calls the fbi He's like, hey, this guy's scamming me. He's trying to get at my process. I invented this process for my company. Um, And uh, I don't know if I should keep going. I guess there are people listening who haven't seen the movie. Uh, But let me just tell you that Steve Martin is a bad guy, and he's conning Campbell Scott. And even after you learn that, you won't see a lot of what happens coming. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a very twisty, turny, old-school Kind of con movie, um and I think it's a really interesting Steve Martin performance because mm-hmm. we're so used to seeing him be funny, um and he's done a few things here and there where he wasn't being outright funny, like the the girl at the counter. Sells yeah, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I can't remember the, that movie's name right now either.
1: <laughs> Claire Danes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Shop Girl. Uh, usually, yes, thank mm-hmm. you. Um, Shop Girl. Usually, he's funny, and here he's he's hardly funny at all he's very serious mysterious sometimes even scary mm-hmm. um and i just i just love everybody's performance in this um especially rebecca pigeon yeah um, because she's so far over the top um that she makes herself not a suspect to him mm-hmm. <laughs> at all yeah <laughs> um and that allows her to do a lot of the stuff that she or otherwise wouldn't have been able mm-hmm. to do. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I, I see some comment that the last third of it may be what took the weird turn for most people. And it does get a little chasey um, standoffy at the end. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is always headed in that direction. Um, it's always from the beginning, it's headed towards a violent conflict. Uh, but I understand that that, that two thirds of the movie is kinda of talky and then the final third, you know, we're racing to the airport. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's guards there. Now we gotta get to the mm-hmm. Boston and then there's a there's a gun in my bag and then we gotta get to the ferry and then we gotta Um <clears throat> and especially especially one of the secret agents uh in the finale, one of them, the female, is a little bit hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Um not that she couldn't be a special agent, it's just the, the mechanism by which she does her job seems hilariously overdone to mm-hmm. her. um <clears throat> anyway um <clears throat> what do you think of the spanish prisoner having seen it again uh, very recently? i'll
0: add i'll add also in the plot that you 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 know when he's giving the picture trying to get the picture to his sister and everything just before this steve martin has said you need to lawyer up and you need to oh, right. you need to figure out uh, how the company is going to screw you over? This because they're definitely going to screw you, and of course, it's hard to deny that he is absolutely correct about that. Like that's the thing he he's in a literal uh between a rock and a hard place type of situation because the company is going to screw him out of a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It's pretty clear, and yeah. uh, so he, he tells he tells him exactly what's going to happen. And that's what happens. Of course, you know you're going to find out later. There's some reasons why he knows exactly why this is going to happen. But yeah. Um, but um. But it. But this type of thing. Ha- this this thing happens, and then that's when he gets that you know that epiphany that you know oh Steve Martin is not who he's been saying he's he is and everything. Uh, I love this movie. Um. I probably you you recommended this to me. I don't know five years ago probably and uh and then gave me a dvd and i watched the dvd uh, and i've seen it on television a couple of times so i've seen this movie quite a bit at this point point. and i love how everything is set up i love this whole this whole plan i think it might be a little bit overwrought as far as like in within the movie this plan is a little overdone uh i understand that they want to like cover their bases on a lot of things but like it's like, this isn't necessary really, but like, right. but they, but they, I think they're going off the principle of, uh, when something's too good to be true, then it probably is. So therefore I'm going to, I'm going to put some flaws into it that you can readily see, like, you know, uh, him getting pissed off at Campbell Scott for not showing up at the door of his sister and everything like that. And going through this whole big, huge apology thing and, and everything this is uh, by the way, is one of the ways i think people bond is is how they have these initial misunderstandings and then then they heal and it's that's the way it goes so uh but yeah i love this rebecca pigeon is is a is a big player in david mamet movies at this point she's in heist she's in state and maine uh she's almost Mm -hmm. always like the you know the, the, the the she's always super endearing I love the part where she says something... She's basically throwing herself at Campbell Scott, and she's like, you know, uh, uh, I'm not that bad to look at, is what she says, or something like that. Uh, but um, but I, I, love, I love the intricacies of this. The thing about this movie, it's very 90s independent film. Like I said last week, it feels very spare. It feels like there's hardly any extras. And there are extras that are milling about in the background, but it's not like... A full world of people in this movie. And every time they go to a certain location, it seems very like, but there's still like there's like a million people that just show up out of nowhere. Like Jonathan Katz shows up as yeah. a lawyer, uh, who a lot of people might know from Dr. Katz Professional Therapist back in the nineties, the cartoon, little squiggly cartoon. Um, the uh the um Ed O'Neill shows up in this yep. uh you know just just random ben gazar of course has a bigger role but um but uh, a lot of like big names just show up in this but anyway it's it's fun to watch but this ending this last third of the movie <laughs> every time i get into the last third of this movie i'm like none of this really adds up i'm enjoying myself a lot <laughs> but none of this adds up at all uh, i wrote some stuff down Maybe I'm wrong on some of this. Maybe you can maybe you can you guys can like hold me to a higher standard, but I wrote this stuff down. <laughs> Susan is super helpful throughout. There's pretty much no reason for her to be available to him after the they kill Ricky J and and they're going to get away with it. Like nobody in the FBI believes his story whatsoever. And the whole thing is is built on the fact that oh, I might have fingerprints from Steve Martin on some, and uh, they don't really know whether or not he's got something with his fingerprints, but even if they do, I don't know what they're hoping to prove with whatever they have his fingerprints with. Like, if they find the book and they find Steve Martin's fingerprints, what does that mean? That he conned Campbell Scott out of the process? Is that what that's supposed to mean? So I never understood why she's so helpful to him. I think it's a movie convention where you're mm. supposed to be like, ah, oh, he found his out. She's going to help him out with this. And like she does a lot of things that make no sense here. Like um, she thinks of going to Boston because a truck with co- Boston coffee shows up. Around. Now she's yeah. apparently already going to Boston I'm assuming she's already going But the fact that this truck just comes up behind, Unless it's one of them And it's supposed to be like Something where, where like Because it does kind of like you, you 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 do see that truck kind of like skid a little bit Maybe Maybe like Felicity Huffman's in that truck. I don't know. Very weird. I don't even understand why she helps him get away from the airport in New York.
1: Yeah. Like she comes up with this whole, she starts yelling at him like they're having some kind of marital spat. Right. And the cop gets so awkward. He lets him go. But if she lets Campbell Scott get out of the car, he's going to get arrested and then charged with the murder of Ricky Jay mm-hmm. because his fingerprints are all over the knife. And what is their goal there? Because at the very, very end, they're trying to shoot him. Mm-hmm. And... But they framed him for the murder. Then they, after that, they put a gun in the handbag thing yeah. to try and get him busted at the airport. Yeah. I'm like, do you want him arrested or do you want him dead? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. So I'm with you there. I'm having a good time at the end, but it does, and especially um, the super secret agents at the end. I don't know how they're
0: in place. Well, I'm I'm I getting mean, there. I've got okay, plenty go more. Uh, okay. uh, um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she encourages him to buy that shamrock that just happens to have a microphone on it. Susan does remember this, that he buys that little shamrock thing and it has a microphone on it and she's the one who told him to buy it. Yes. I don't get that at all. Unless she's a double agent and that was part of the reason why she's why do they even
1: have somebody at the Boston Airport handing out microphones? Right, things? exactly.
0: So then uh so the child weirdly drops a book, the mom's super focused on scolding him about the fingerprints he's leaving on the book, which gives Joe the idea about Jimmy touching the tennis book. Um uh I wrote down that line of dialogue too. It's way heavy handed. Yes. She goes,
1: Look what you've done. You tore your book
0: and got fingerprints all over your book. Yeah. You got fingerprints all over your book. Yeah, just like Steve Martin did with that tennis book <laughs> um and then, as so he leaves, but you know we've talked about the gun in the in the bag is ba- apparently he can't feel the heft of that bag with a gun in it, but uh, he leaves before the metal detector shows the gun, which prevents him from being arrested. But he leaves a millisecond before the gun shows up on the X-ray, and it's like, oh, they just let that guy go. He made a big deal about helping that woman with her child go through the metal yep. detector, and they're not going yep. after him once there's a gun. And then uh, the shuttle to the boat is a complete surprise, but the marshals are on it. the The U.S. marshals are on that shuttle. Um, I think.
1: Yeah, I was going to say they're already on there when he gets on. Yes.
0: Right? Yes. I don't understand. Already how that on happens. there. Uh, He tries to get on the boat without buying a ticket, but because he still has his airline ticket, the boat guy points out that the ticket is for Venezuela. He doesn't even mention that it's not a boat ticket. Um, uh, Why would you want to go there? (laughs) Why did did you want to go there? And he's like, just out loud, he's like, because they don't have an extradition treaty. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Dell apparently finds a way on the boat without Joe seeing him Jimmy knows Joe's headed for this place but he would have had to beat him to the dock to stay hidden until Joe finally boards Mm -hmm. um the boat guy suddenly goes completely off duty so that joe can honk that little horn thing for the boat to leave so that basically it's just him susan dell and the two marshals on the boat that's it so Mm -hmm. boat guy is gone he must have jumped in the lake or something and just like you know had a swim um and uh and then this is uh uh, do Jimmy and Susan even have to do any of this? They're a little concerned about the torn book with Jimmy's fingerprints, but I'm not sure what the book even does. I mean, I brought this up. I don't know what, how, Oh, fingerprints on the tennis book. You must've taken the process. And, uh, um, yeah.
1: if you can't, if he's not in the system and you can't find the guy, those fingerprints mean nothing.
0: Yeah. So that was, that was, uh, that was that, I mean, it, I, and look, I, I I enjoy watching that last act. There's so much craziness going on at the end of that, and I do love. I do love her. She's she's a she's obviously like worn out of doing this act for a while now because she's. I don't know, Joe. You know, Joe. This is so, you know this is not gonna happen. You, yeah. know, you know, like like why would someone steal? steal from somebody their life's work and all that and just looking at her and then she's she's finally she's like you know sometimes joe and then she's finally realizes okay finally i can stop acting you can see it yeah. like she's like oh <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah so um yeah i i do love it it's just weird i love ricky jay in this
1: movie i love ricky jay and everything mm-hmm. but i love hungover ricky jay saying i put a thief in my mouth to steal my brains." yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Ricky J speaks the, in a
0: lot of isms in this movie he does yeah
1: that's another reason I don't think this movie is reality because mm-hmm. he's walking around like Shakespeare basically right like a character in Shakespeare narrating things. yeah um I love the little touches some of them are heavy-handed but like the very first shot opens with Campbell Scott in an airport underneath a sign that says don't accept packages from anybody yeah yeah um and then in the in his work office, uh, there's a poster. It's not subtle when the camera cuts right to it, but it's got a pointing finger and it says, somebody talk. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, and then, um, what was the other one? Oh, uh, yeah.
0: One <laughs> uh, Nick writes, if you don't show up on a business trip, no one will miss you. That's a, that's one of the lines that Ricky J says. <laughs> the-
1: this was actually written... Um, According to IMDB, Mamet wrote this part for Steve Martin after watching him do Waiting for Godot on oh, stage. Oh, wow. And specifically wanted a comedian playing against type in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I always think it's fascinating when somebody writes a part for an actor and then actually gets that actor. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you could do a whole podcast series on being John Malkovich and how fucking lucky they were after they wrote it. He was like, Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they could easily
0: have changed it to another character or another actor. Well and and uh, my guess is if it if it hadn't been Steve Martin, they would have either gotten William H. Macy or Alec Baldwin in this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. um Mammoth and Macy and Felicity Huffman obviously married to William H. Macy. Uh they they're all part of that Mammoth crew. Ricky jay is in a ton of his movies, um, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of like recurring, uh, actors that he uses in these things. So I mean, if it wasn't Steve Martin, it probably would have been one of those two is my guess. Alec Baldwin would have probably been the best choice in this, in this case. But, uh, but yeah, Steve Martin doing this type of thing. I think I remember this being like really, really like, I mean, it was 1997, so he wasn't really doing a lot of hit comedies at this point but to see him in a movie like this was still was still like all, like strange like that that he would do a yeah. movie like this and then after a while you started seeing him do it a lot like shop girl and stuff like that but um, but i love steve martin in this uh, he's he's yeah. so he's so perfect uh, uh, as this person so and he kind of plays that same kind of guy in shop girl a little bit he's that he's yeah. another wealthy like you know don't give a fuck kind of guy but like real serious and everything but but uh yeah i really enjoy this performance for sure
1: all right (sighs) that is the spanish prisoner but we're not done Mm -hmm. until we get the double feature
0: Mm -hmm. super secret
1: surprise double feature Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A
2: dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. (laughs)
0: I'm sure there are many, many, many confidence movies we could put in here. Confidence trick movies. Uh, you know, stuff like Matchstick Men and, and uh, you know, uh, Confidence and uh, things of that nature. I decided to go with a pretty straightforward uh, actor-to-actor one and put Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in as the double oh, feature. Nice. here, uh, Nice. With uh, Steve Martin playing a con man with Michael Caine. Uh, Glenna headley is in is the is the third uh name in that movie dirty rotten scoundrels i think we both share an extreme love of this movie and have both probably seen it 50 times between us so uh dirty rotten scoundrels uh is a is a comedic uh you know a comedic uh i guess uh counter to this to this movie um uh I, i guess the stakes are much lower actually, even though they're both trying to get millions of dollars and everything. We're thinking the the process in here is worth billions, which is another thing Spanish prisoner does that. I think tries to keep it timeless a little bit. They don't write the amount. They don't show you the amount they write the amount and everybody like raises their eyebrows like, Whoa, that's a lot. (laughs) And, uh, and, but, uh, anyway, dirty, rotten scoundrels with, uh, Steve Martin and Michael Caine trying to uh, rip off old, uh, widow widowed ladies uh, throughout um, uh, is a really funny movie, and uh, they tried to remake it. Uh, what was that? Was it Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway? Was that who was in that remake yeah. a few years ago? Yeah. I didn't see the remake, but they tried to remake uh, this
1: movie. The
0: Hustle? The Hustle. Um, I believe it it's is The Hustle. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. hmm So... Um, um
1: I love me some dirty rotten scoundrels. There I think Rupert is my favorite Steve Martin <laughs> character um uh, in the history of his filmography. Yes. I spent years <laughs> quoting Oklahoma 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 yeah. or the dinner table. May I use the restroom?
0: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Mother? <laughs> not mother. <laughs> not mother. Good
1: call. All right. Uh, also on Chris's docket this week is your homework for next week's episode.
0: Yes. So the homework for next week is a movie that I was going to say two weeks ago before I went and uh, did an audible and said blowout, but uh, I'm going to do the lives of others for uh, next Ooh. week, uh, which is a movie I don't think Jeremy has seen yet. They um, not uh, soon to become. Uh, one of your favorites i'm sure uh i believe you uh, the lives of others is an outstanding movie i've seen this three times uh over the years i don't think i saw it in theaters but um but uh, this is a, a german film set in the 80s um and uh it's really really good this is a movie that's so good it's 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 like it's it's so engrossing all the way throughout and then it's got like a last 10 to 15 minutes that just makes it all even more good even more gooder uh, even more better that's right so um so i can't wait till you see this i can't wait till some of you who have never seen this movie before uh Uh, see it for the first time uh this is a fantastic movie so yeah the lives of others next week
1: all right excellent i can tell you from my quick google it looks like you will probably have to rent this movie Mm -hmm. um it does not appear to be streaming on any uh streaming service but the rentals are all 2.99 3.99
0: well it's well worth the rental don't worry about the 2.99 or the three bucks whatever it's it's well worth it uh, if if there was a system in place, I would pay you back if uh, you didn't like this movie. But I think you will I believe you would. I think you. I think you're going to enjoy it enough that you're going to be like, eh, four dollars. Who cares? So.
1: <laughs> mm. All right, let's uh, dive into a couple of questions before we wrap up this week. All right. Question. Question. I
3: got something to say.
1: I want the truth. I'm listening. Uh, first one: What movie were you the most wrong about? I.e., mm. a film you were sure was going to be great, but then you then it was terrible, or vice versa.
0: Okay, so on um, one movie that I thought would be bad. And I think this came from, I, I don't know if you remember this, in the summer of 1999. Every time the Sixth Sense trailer came on, we made fun of that trailer. We thought it was terrible looking. We didn't think that movie had one bit of chance of being good. And every yep. time it came up, it was like, I see dead people. And you're like, fuck you, kid. You don't, who cares? <laughs> you're right. And, uh, and I remember even, we only got two prints of that, which in 1999 was still like a low amount for a movie that's supposed to be a blockbuster. Um, and I typically watched every big release back in 1999. Like I didn't watch everything like I would later do in 2005, but, uh, I remember the re and uh, this is the reason why this movie got spoiled for me. I didn't watch that movie. I had, I let other people watch it. Uh and while I just closed up on a Thursday night and didn't worry about ever watching it and then found out later it's a big, huge blockbuster and everybody loves it. And then got spoiled for me on Saturday night. So mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. I was wrong about the sixth sense. That movie ended up being really, really good and I have seen it a hundred times. Um the movie that I thought would be good and I thought and this is gonna be an unpopular opinion, uh, if you, if you take a look at the IMDB and things of that nature, but, uh, Sin City, I cannot get through that movie. There's, there's a couple of scenes in there that are fun, but for the most part, I don't like that movie at all. And uh and it it's got an insanely high rating on the IMDB. Like people love this shit and yet nobody wanted to go see a sequel to it. That's that's for sure. Nobody wanted to see the sequel to Sin City, so I don't know. Seems like an inflated it seems like inflated bullshit to me that people really like that movie. Nobody really ever talks about it that I can think of. Anyway, I don't ever see any cosplay for it. No, <laughs> right, exactly. Nobody I don't I go out there you dressed could... up by Jessica Alba.
1: If you could make yourself look like Ethan Hawke, Ethan Mm Hawke's Elijah Wood's character, that would be a cool cosplay, but would anyone even get who you were? Right, right. Nobody Um, would get it. I famously did not think The Matrix was going to be good. I laughed and laughed at that trailer, but also in 1999. Um, But I've said that one before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely didn't think um, the Lego movie was going to be any good. Mm -hmm. Once they announced the Lego movie, I'm pretty sure... I was instantly mocking it as a consumer's cash grab mm-hmm. and a lot of movies like this have been that mm-hmm. um, but the lego movie is actually really funny yeah its heart and is rewatchable and is self-aware and um, has this live action ending that just really sucker punches you and um that wasn't even they had to fight to do that apparently they didn't want to do that last section with Will Ferrell, the live-action bit, of uh, mm-hmm. studio or whatever. Anyway, uh, a movie that I expected to like that I didn't—maybe an unpopular opinion for me—is *Dumb and Dumber*.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: After the Fairleys' initial success of the movie that came before this, that I can't quite remember right now. Oh, um, is um, oh, what was it? Shit. Maybe it was just Jim Carrey's success.
0: Not, I think the it was. Yeah, Fairly Brothers. I think this was the first big Fairly Brothers movie. Okay, dumb, so dumb, maybe dumb. it was just that Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey had this a is hell the, of a 1994. That was what yeah, was going and on. So yeah.
1: went to this with my girlfriend and her mom, and uh, people loved this movie. And people in the audience were roaring. And I just sat there going, "I have an X lax joke, a tongue stuck on the pole joke. I have seen all of this before in other movies, and it doesn't fulfill me." The way something like Beavis and Butthead, I don't understand why Beavis and Butthead can be consistently funny, but the Dumb and Dumber movies, to me, Mm. they don't capture that same kind of dumb. It's Mm. just tired jokes you've seen before over and over and over, I, just, mm. I did. Oh, I don't like Dumb and Dumber. I'm sorry.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed Dumb and Dumber, and, and not the ones that, not the jokes that you just mentioned, but stuff like where he sees that Man on the Moon poster, and he's like, "Oh my God, did you guys hear about this? Wow!" <laughs> he says, I, I like stuff like that. But, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, in the comments, um, Polly says thought would be bad was good. Fight Club. uh uh uh, obina says uh i'm ashamed to say it but the muppets i don't know if that means bad to good or good to bad but uh she was wrong about that movie uh wrong about edge uh no one says i was wrong about edge of tomorrow surprised how great that movie yeah edge of tomorrow is a good example by the way i thought that would be bad um uh josh says one i thought would be good but was bad the village yep 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 uh nick also says thought would be bad a split uh and then uh then uh yeah um uh uh, everybody apparently likes sin city in the chat and they think that i'm wrong and that's totally because
1: later they they apparently love dumb and dumber and say jeremy is more wrong than
0: chris (laughs) oh yeah 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 so there's that too but uh anyway uh why don't you guys ever talk about sin city if you love it so much by the way i never hear anything about fucking sin city uh now you
1: know they're going to talk about Sin City the entire time next week when we record again. Mm-hmm. We basically, just dared them to.
0: Yeah, I did dare them to. But you know what? They're not going to be able to come up with anything that makes me like that movie. So they're no. doing a fruitless uh, fruitless endeavor there. So I'm with you on that. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right.
1: Here we go. Yep. Here we go. We got another one. Uh, plenty of people have a favorite movie kiss. What's your least favorite movie kiss and why?
0: Um the kiss between Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis in Top Gun is so gross. Um it's there's something about the 80s that the 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 decade of oh, the, the decade of decadence. Um mm. the 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 era in, like you'd see this in music videos every once in a while. Like you can't just kiss somebody you got to have your tongue out and you got to lick them a little bit. And that's what Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis are doing in this. This is the first time they've ever been shown kissing in the movie, and they're already <laughs> having sex and sticking their tongues down each other's throats. And I'm like, this is just so wrong. So uh anyway, not to be a prude or anything, cuz I would be totally down for that if that was like the 17th time they showed them kissing, but like the first time, no. Oh, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Jesus. Um I'm going to go
1: with true lies mm-hmm. because after finally rescuing his wife, Arnold kisses her with the romantic atomic bomb mushroom cloud explosion uh. behind them on the Island of the Florida Keys,
0: uh-huh. and I feel
1: like that's just James Cameron. Like I don't want to say anything gross, but I think he probably thinks that explosion is a little bit sexier than the yeah, rest of us. Do. He
0: does. He and, does. Uh,
1: <clears throat> Michael Bay might do a shot I'm, like that. Like I'm, sure,
0: I'm surprised Michael Bay hasn't sh- shot a sex scene with explosions going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> there is a movie that does that. Oh, it's uh, that. It's well, that
1: the gunfire drive angry having yeah i No,
0: is it drive angry
1: maybe but uh you turned me on to this movie the shooting the shooter the shooters no the shooters no shoot it's, him uh, up shoot him up
0: shoot, him I up. Think yeah. shoot him up
1: where they're having sex while he's like firing guns at okay people who are coming into the yeah
0: it, it, may, it may be shoot him up i think drive angry also has a Shoot 'em up sex scene in it, but I I, maybe I'm just confusing those two movies.
1: Maybe there's an entire genre, and we just need to discover it better.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So uh, the uh, some of the um some of the ones here Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, that's a bad one. Um. Uh. Then there is uh, that slobbery kiss, and not another teen movie. Although we'll say that's a parody movie, so that's the reason why it's probably over the top. But yeah. I can see that, too. Even it, even when it's over the top on purpose, it can be bad. Uh, the second kiss in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I'm not sure if I remember what that one is.
1: Um, um, I did just think about that Liam Neeson kiss in Widows.
0: Oh, yeah. That was pretty close, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. Josh says the spaghetti kiss in Lady and the Tramp. Kissing with food and you're while you're chewing in both of your mouths? Gross. <laughs> um yeah so uh so good stuff you want to do one more yeah let's do one more
1: uh what are some real world locations sites that you would go to visit just because it's in a movie that you love
0: all of those locations and lost in translation especially um mm. especially scarlett johansson when she's going there's that really i love this movie so much um there's that there's that there's that scene where i believe it's i think it's the band air is playing a song it's one of these instrumentals or whatever but she's going across these little stepping stones and it's like she's just kind of walking over and there's just a whole like basic travelog section of that movie where she's going to all these different temples and everything and I really want to be in that place where she's going over the stepping stones and everything. I think that's just a really cool looking place. So cool. I would go. I would visit that just because it was in the movie.
1: I don't know if I've ever gone out of my way to visit a spot that's been in a movie other than the, uh, the Griffith Observatory, you know, mm, which is yep, yep. right next to the Hollywood sign. And when mm-hmm. you and I went there for the first time, I mean, it's been in a million movies, but I remembered it most from Transformers. Uh, because after the Autobots all fall to the earth, they somehow meet at the Griffith Observatory, <laughs> as we mm-hmm. do. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and that's a really cool place. Of course, then later La La Land came out, and we went back again after that, and it had a new kind of cool meaning. Um, but I do, I do this all the time when I'm watching TV or a movie with my wife, and I see a, a location that I've been to, like in the town when they go to Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. I always go, I've been there i am in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, there's just surprisingly a lot of places that I've been that have been filmed, um, but most of them have been filmed multiple times.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you know, the Washington
1: yeah. Monument or what have you. Um, but we did see that circular um, parking garage in Chicago that they supposedly shot that uh, Dark night scene, opening scene. Yeah, in, yeah. Where he jumps down onto the van. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. It was a parking garage, but it was cool.
0: Yeah. And that's weird. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, in the chat, all the places in New Zealand for Lord of the Rings. I'm here. I'm, Lord of the Rings yes. obviously is, uh, you know, is is New Zealand's own travel uh, advertisement. Um, <laughs> uh, there's Hot Fuzz. Uh, want to visit that London town? Matt's cast. Oh, that'd that would be neat. Uh, uh, it's like uh, one of these days. S- Slab says, oh, one of these days, I'm going to drive de- uh, the 90 minutes down to Sacka Suds from my cousin Vinny. Um nice. uh let's see, Midway Theater. Uh, Josh says Midway Theater in my hometown where Robert Redford filmed the scene in the old man and the gun. Oh, and world's end, so I can do the golden mile, says apathy. Uh nice. so yeah. So yeah, the golden that'd yeah, be pretty awesome to do to 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 retrace that for sure. But uh anyway. Uh I think that's our show. I think that's yep. our show. Uh, and scene yes next week is the lives of others um and uh i i hope you guys enjoy it as much as i do i think it's i think it'll be for for some of you the, your first experience i can't wait till i hear what you awesome. say about this um but uh that's gonna do it for this episode of Recotopia.
1: see you thanks for coming out everybody we'll see you next Bye. week <laughs>
0: part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to Recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com
1: There's a bunch of reasons I don't want to live in Florida, and I'm glad I don't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
2: mm-hmm.
1: That's just one. That's just one. There are probably more than a hundred reasons. Well, one, of my parents live there. Mm-hmm. That's probably one yeah. of the biggest.
0: Gators,
1: um, pythons in the Everglades. I'm really afraid of
0: pythons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds <Byron>. me of. <laughs> there's a there's a line in in Fantastic Mr. Fox that I think I've always found funny, but I've never really found it as funny as I did. The other day, when I was looking for clips, and it's during that scene where they're talking to the wolf or whatever, and he's trying to get the wolf to say something to him about like if he think it's going to be a harsh winter or whatever the hell it is that he's going through all that stuff, and there's just this long pause, and and he goes, "I have a phobia of wolves."
2: (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <laughs>
1: if i knew if I, once i learned how to work this board that i have like where i can hit like a rim shot mm. i can program those buttons and if i ever get off my ass um i could for instance load up i'll give you a thousand dollars for that camera <laughs> um, quotes from the movie that we're talking about and when there are Pauses or right when we introduce, I could like click off fire a couple Ricky J quotes. And mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> that would require for now, I think, downloading and cropping and then saving. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work for a 30, like three second sound bite.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh man. So the Orioles traded away Trey Mancini.
0: Yeah. I mean, but you, you if you're an Orioles fan, you definitely like where they're headed with their what they've got going.
1: Yeah, I think the the heartbreak for Orioles fans is that, and this is this is, I think, erroneous thinking. But they started to feel like maybe they could do something this year, mm-hmm. and they may make they may get a wild card spot or something. But I don't think this team has anywhere near the pitching depth it needs to like go deep in the playoffs or anything right and so you know i think i saw a headline that said the 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 rebuild concludes ahead of schedule or something like that and i was like ah it's not really concluded just because they're playing right they still they've got a lot of sample size even
0: when they won however many in a row that's still a small sample size Yep. um but i just liked that guy a lot i'll tell you what not to make this a baseball show but i know and even though i know we've turned it into a hockey show a couple of times <laughs> watch out for the motherfucking padres man because i'm yeah. already hearing that they've got juan soto there's a tentative agreement between Jesus. the padres and nationals and josh bell who's really good too and they just traded for josh Hader, the closer of the brewers um and uh haters not like um like unhittable or anything but he's 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 the kind of guy that you want to have closing games and they're gonna get fernando tatis back and they haven't had him all year so like jesus they already have tatis machado Mm -hmm. uh, and they're gonna have to say they loaded up two or three years ago already right and they're gonna have soto in the middle of that lineup if this if this tentative trade that i just saw a minute ago is gonna happen it's crazy They're gonna have him in there, and then and they're gonna have Josh Bell, who's not like you know terrible. So like that's gonna be a formidable lineup. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the West. Of course, the Padres have done this a lot before, where they're like, "Oh my God, look at what they got now on that team," and then they lose uh, for some reason, and you don't know why.
1: The uh, the word "fleeced" is trending on Twitter because of this trade, Mm -hmm. and people are saying that the Nationals got fleeced. I don't see anything yet about who they got back.
0: Well, and they did this. This is what's terrible about the Nationals. They did this um, last year when they gave Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for nothing. Mm -hmm. Basically nothing. And and, And if you're a team, I don't understand where this mentality comes from. They didn't have to trade Juan Soto. They didn't have to. So if they didn't get a good return on this, that's that's a that's a little upsetting. That would be really upset if I was a Nationals fan. Is your cat yeah. trying to open the door? Yeah, I got to. Which reminds me, I have that that weird um like uh I don't know situation where I don't want my cats to be wandering around freely while there are people working on things in the house, even 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 though the chances of them just running out a door are very very low, I don't want that to be a possibility. And so for a while they were all outside and they were fine being outside. And then they wanted to come in, and I was like, okay, well if you're going to come in, you're gonna, I'm going to have to lock you behind my bedroom door. I can't just let you wander around. And I'm I'm fully expecting during this podcast to hear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you really don't you really don't control cats you can only mm-hmm. hope to contain them no,
0: it's pretty much the
1: same <laughs> yeah exactly I think Dan Patrick used to say that he but did I think he was quoting somebody else uh,
0: well um, he used to and I'm trying to remember yeah I think that was that I think that was yeah that was him for sure on SportsCenter that was the main guy who did that I don't know if he was quoting anybody or not I used to watch Sports Center all the time like yeah all the time i would watch the different versions of sports center this was back in the 90s oh wow this is back in the 90s um and then i quit because i the each new personality who would come in would always try to be that they tried to do that their thing with their their catchphrase and it was so obvious what they were trying to do per pro, per broadcast that it got watered down Mm-hmm. And I just got tired of hearing people trying to come up with their new, you know, witty sports center catchphrase. Some- yeah.